Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions that you guys send in via the tip link and you contribute to our show. And we thank you guys so much for that. But we normally don't have enough time to get around to all the questions to get sent in. So I want to make sure you guys don't have to wait too awful long to get those questions addressed. So we gather them up here and we address them on companion videos. And if you're wondering how to get one of those comments and questions right on the show, the way you do it is to go into the description of any one of our videos and you'll see the tip link. Go ahead and click on that or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com movie blog tv slash tip you'll be getting your comment or question on the show uh, look again as we've been saying all the time if it's appropriate for the show if you're just writing in to be argumentative or really political or whatever it's not really the place for that but for those of you who do we thank you so much for sending them in and we thank you of course for your support so with all that down let's not waste any time and get right to it we're going to start things up here with one from ryan loner who writes one part of the ScarJo lawsuit I haven't seen brought up much is that this is the exact same reason Chandra Rhimes left Disney. One of the execs said to her, don't you have enough money, so why do we have to honor our contract? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I don't remember that being said. Hold a second. Let, let me look that up because I do not remember hearing that at all. Hold a second. Do you have a contract? Uh, Chandra... Uh, rhymes. Let me see if I can see that. Uh, don't you know, have enough money? Wow. Apparently that was said to her at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's kind of a dumb thing. I mean, essentially that is what, what Disney is basically saying this, that stupid public statement that Disney put out essentially was day, them saying, you know what, everybody look how rich she is already. Look how rich Scarlett Johansson is. Why should we have to live up to our contract? She's already so rich, right? I mean, that's kind of how it came across. So I had never heard of that part before with the Shonda Rhimes thing. Interesting, Ryan. Thanks for sharing. All right. Isaac Beebe writes, recently I asked you whether you preferred Lithgow's or Oldman's. I remember this. Whether you preferred Jonathan Lithgow's or Gary Oldman's portrayal of Winston Churchill. Of course, one did it in, uh, what was it? Finest Hour. And then one did it in The Crown. Uh, and I said Oldman was my favorite. I mean, it won him his Academy Award. Jonathan Lithgow, Lithgow's Winston Churchill was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But I got to go with Oldman on that. Now I want to know who you thought played Margaret Thatcher better. Gillian Anderson, who played it also on The Crown, in The Crown, or Meryl Streep in Iron Lady. It's the street monster. Yeah. And that's no knock on Gillian's, Gillian Anderson's portrayal of Thatcher. Her portrayal of Thatcher in The Crown was stupid like i barely recognize her and i'm not just talking because of her physical appearance the way she portrayed the character it was absolutely ridiculous great but i gotta go with the street monster isaac i gotta go with the street monster all right next up min tran writes with the disappointment of mulan and snake eyes if shang chi also fails either financially or critically how bad would this be for uh asian hold a second let me just, uh hold a second just freezing Okay, okay, we got it up and running again. We're all good. Okay, with the disappointment of Mulan and Snake Eyes, if Shang-Chi or Shang-Chi also fails either financially or critically, how bad would this be for Asian representation? Would this spell the end of Asian lead or mostly Asian cast movies for a while? No, not at all. I don't think anybody's dumb enough to think that, well, the problem with the reason Snake Eyes didn't work was because it had Asian leads. No. The problems with Snake Eyes was... 
stupid damn shaky cam, and the fact that they made the hero out to be a complete and utter jerk that you couldn't get behind or cheer for at all because he was really the villain of the film. That had nothing to do with the fact that they had Asian lead characters. And with Milan, Milan wasn't bad. I know it has its critics. I didn't think Milan was bad. I didn't think it was great either, but it, it wasn't bad. But again, uh, the goodness of it or the poorness of it had nothing to do with it being Asian lead characters. I mean, we get a hundred horrible white lead movies every year. We don't say, oh, is this it for the white lead movies? No, nah. I don't think anybody's dumb enough to think it has anything to do with the, the fact that it Asian cast. So no, even if Shang-Chi ends up being a total bust, I don't think anybody would be stupid enough to think, Oh, if you make a movie with Asian leads, it doesn't work. I mean, just look, the uh, one of the most recent Best Picture winners at the Academy Award, at the Academy Awards, was was that uh, was an Asian lead film, right? It so uh, a Bong Joon Ho is it Bong Joon Ho's movie? Yeah, Parasite. So like that just won Best Picture at the Academy Awards a couple of years ago. But did it win because it was an Asian film? No, nor did Black uh, Snake Eyes, I almost said Black Widow, nor did Snake Eyes fail uh, because it was an Asian lead film. Not at all. All right. So I don't think there's any problem with that there, man. All right. Next up, uh, we've got Christopher who writes, with Iger being on the board until December and Feige rumored to be mad over ScarJo, any chance the board votes to fire Chapek? I don't think so. And listen, nobody is more against Bob Chapek right now than me. I've found almost every decision he's made to be ass backwards stupid. But that being said, I did give this analogy on the show earlier today, and I really believe it. When you bring in a new head coach onto a team, you got to give them more than one year. Because like, there could be a lot of factors at play here that we don't know about. You got to give that coach at least, at least a couple of years to implement their team culture really start to form the team into what it is they want the team to be. You can't really tell in one year. And as bad as I think JPEG has been, and I say this as a loving Disney fan, as bad and as stupid as I think Bob JPEG has been, the reality is I don't think he's had enough of a chance to really prove what he can do and be yet as the CEO of Disney. I think he needs more time. Now, I think he should be given three years. And after three years, if everything stays like this, yeah, can his ass. Absolutely. But as bad as I think he is, I think you got to give him a, a proper chance. And I don't think as bad as this year has been, let's also not forget that while he's been making some dumb decisions and all that kind of stuff, he's also been presiding over Disney during a very challenging time with COVID and the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. So honestly, I'm his number one anti-fan, but even I am saying you got to give him more of a chance. We have to give him more of a chance. Now, don't get me wrong. If I could press a button right now and have Big Papa Iger come in and say, I'm coming back to take my throne back and I will lead Disney for five more years before I retire again, I would do it. Absolutely. But anything short of Big Papa Iger coming back in to do it, you got to give JPEG at least three years. Because who knows? Maybe, I mean, look, he can turn things around. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. All right, next up. Uh, Orange Grove 55 writes, with Jungle Cruise earning a solid $30 million from Premier Access, Orange Grove, you and I, my friend, have very different definitions of solid. Because to me, that was a pathetic number. Anyway, with Jungle Cruise earning a solid $30 million from Premier Access, does this all but guarantee the service lives on? No. If anything, it's quite the opposite. I thought that was a dumpster fire of a result. Now, look, 
nobody, nobody on this planet with a single ounce of sanity ever thought that Jungle Cruise, even though it's a big property, you got the biggest movie star in the world and all that kind of stuff, nobody expected it to make Black Widow numbers, an MCU movie. I mean, not the highest profile MCU movie, but an MCU movie nonetheless. Nobody expected it to make Black Widow numbers. But here's the reality. With them trying to increase awareness of digital Premier Plus access on Disney Plus, with the Delta variant being out there causing more and more people to stay at home where you rent Disney Premium access on Disney Plus, and with it being as big of a movie as it is, a $200 million movie coming out and making half of what Black Widow did is a dumpster fire of a disaster. Because people got to have the experience of ordering, you know, because the first week, I mean, it totally went south after its first weekend, but on its first weekend, Black Widow made $60 million in Disney Premium Plus at home, right? Now, even more people are aware of it, more people have experienced it, more people have used that service, and you roll that into the biggest movie star in the world with his big $200 million movie and even more people being at home because of the Delta variant of the coronavirus? And given all that, it only managed to make half? Again, I never expected it to make as much as Black Widow. I did, never in a million years was that going to make $60 million on its opening weekend at home. Never in a million years. Nobody expected that. Should 50 have been a possibility? 50 should have been a possibility. 45 should have been a reasonable expectation. 40 should have been a given. Again, when you add up all the contributing factors, Black Widow got $60 million worth of people to check it out. So you have a lot more people that use it for the first time and now more comfortable using it. You had even more people staying at home than when Black Widow debuted because of the Delta variant and all that kind of stuff. And you had the biggest movie star in the world in it. And you only managed to pull in 30 million? It's pathetic. It's pathetic. And Disney knows it. They totally know it's pathetic. They're going to probably at the end of the day lose over $100 million on uh, Jungle Cruise. I, I can't guarantee that, but I think it's, I feel pretty safe saying it's going to come into around $100 million they're going to lose on that movie. And a part of that's because people didn't want to get it at home. Now, you ask, do I think this all but guarantees the service lives on? No, no, no. This, this hurts its chances. But I will say now what I've been saying the whole time. Five or six movies is not enough of a sample size to judge. So even I, even me, who thinks this whole premium access thing on Disney Plus has been a complete, utter disaster. Uh, Mulan, total failure. The Raya experiment with the home premium plus, total failure. The Cruella premium plus experiment at home, total failure. I mean... Even though I think it's been an utter failure so far, it's much like the Bob Chapek thing. They need to do more. So even though Jungle Cruise was the last one that they have scheduled to do this premium at-home thing with, they need to do more. And not just one or two more. I think they need to do like eight to ten more. I think to get a proper sample size, they need to experiment with this and try getting people on board with it for at least... 9, 10, 11, 12, 14, 15 movies. And so far, they've only done like five or six. So 
I think this thing's been a disaster so far, but I think they absolutely need to do more experimenting. I think they should do it more. Because listen, if they ultimately pull the plug on it, you've got to pull the plug on it being absolutely sure that we tested it, we tried it thoroughly, and it didn't work. Or, you know, maybe it, you know, five or six movies isn't enough to get people in the habit of trying it. Maybe if you give it 10 movies, 11 movies, 14 movies, maybe that'll get people on board and maybe it turns it around and becomes a success. Either way, even if you're like me and you don't think this thing has been successful at all, you have to give it more of a chance. So I believe Disney will indeed give it more chances and not just one or two, like I said, five, 10 more chances. And I agree with that decision. They absolutely should do that to see if it can be turned around. Right now, it's been an abysmal failure. But that doesn't mean it won't turn around and you got to give it a chance to do it because if you pull the plug, you got to pull the plug feeling certain that it was the right decision. So yeah, give it more of a chance. That's my, that's my take on it at any rate. All right, next up. Uh, Scott Brown writes, just for fun, this is my top 10 one season series. All right, number 10, Good Guys. I don't remember it. Number nine, Flash Forward. I don't remember it. Number eight, Backstrom. I don't remember it. Number seven, Awake, which is my number one. Well, yeah, or close to number one. Anyway, number six, Trophy Wife. Don't remember it. Uh, number five, Seven Seconds. Don't remember it. Number four, Lovecraft Country, which was fantastic. Number three, For Love and Honor. Don't remember it. Number two, Godless. Don't remember it. Number one, Firefly. I forgot. Yeah, Firefly was only a one season wonder, wasn't it? And honorable mentions to Thundercats on Cartoon Network in 2011. I didn't like that one. I didn't, I didn't like that Thundercats at all. I gave it a shot. I didn't like it. It's funny though. As one season shows, I don't even remember. I don't even recognize half the names on it. So, but yeah, uh, poor Lovecraft Country and Watchmen. Watchmen's another HBO one that they knocked it out of the park, won a ton of awards and they didn't get a second season. Anyway, thanks for sharing that list, Scott. That was fun. All right, next up, Andres Moran writes, Hey, John, uh, love the show. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I should know better than to question your rants, which I love, by the way. And even though you warned us, I went to see Snake Eyes. Sadly, I couldn't make it past five minutes and I walked out. What a terrible movie. Holy shit, you weren't kidding. Well, listen, here's the thing. When I say movies are great and fantastic, that's not me guaranteeing that you're going to love it. I mean, just because I thought a movie was great doesn't mean you need to think it's great. I'm just sharing with you the experience that I had and yours might be different from mine. Your experience may be different from mine. And when I tell you that I hated a movie like Snake Eyes, that's not me saying, don't go see it. Listen, if you're interested in Snake Eyes, you, sh you owe it to yourself to go give it a shot. Just let my warnings help you adjust your expectations, but you should still absolutely check it out if it's a movie that interests you. Hopefully me telling you why I disliked it would just help prepare you a little bit just in case. So anyway, yeah, I'm sorry you had such a bad experience with it, Andres, because yeah, I, I was so dis disappointed. You guys know I was super psyched for that movie. Very, very psyched for that movie. And yeah, I thought it was pretty terrible. Thought it was pretty terrible. Anyway, here's hoping for better ones ahead, Andres. All right, next up, Andres Moran also writes, I'm not sure if anyone has asked you this, but I have two animated songs that make me ugly cry. Uh, remember me, remember me from Coco. Yeah, that one's a tearjerker for sure. And sound by the bugle from Spirit Stallion of the Cimer Cimarron. I don't remember that song. So I was wondering, do you have a song that gets those man tears rolling? Love the show. Well, I mean, 
I've talked recently about there's that one song from Moana of there's a line where the sky meets the sea and it calls me. It's one of the most beautiful imagery uh, pieces of imagery ever elicited from a song. There's that line where the sky meets the sea and it calls me. I seriously want to get that printed on something and mounted on a wall. I love that saying. When I hear that, it really stirs me. It stirs me. But ones that make me ugly cry, I, I don't know. I'll tell you, there are a couple of pieces from Les Mis that do it for me. I dreamed a dream that Fontaine sings. Oh, that song gets me every time I hear it, especially when you know the story and you know the character. Like if you just hear the song, I dreamed a dream, it's a beautiful song. But if you understand Les Mis and you understand the character of Fontaine, then it, it can't help but move you. It's a, it's, it's a tragic, tragic song, but there's a couple from Les Mis as well. Like, um, Oh God, like whenever they sing, it doesn't move me to tears, but it gets the, the blood flowing. Can you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart matches the beating of the drum. I mean, you like, I'm sorry, man. If you know the story of Les Mis and you're watching that and they start singing that, you want to, you puff your chest out and you want to stand up. It's beautiful. But yeah, I got to tell you, man, I dreamed a dream. The song of Fontaine from Les Mis that, that can move me to welling up, welling up tears in my eyes. That one can do it. All right. Next up. Factual Opinion writes, I love that name, Factual Opinion writes, uh, I like Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. I like Zack Snyder. I think a Man of Steel sequel can work, but it, well, absolutely a Man of Steel can work. Absolutely, you effing kidding me? Of course it'll work. Anyway, I think a Man of Steel sequel can work, but it should be a mid-range budget. I don't agree. It should be a not a $200 million budget, but I think it should be a big budget. It's a Superman movie. Uh, mid-range budget. Don't let my guy Zack Snyder be involved and probably have a jolly, happy-go-lucky Superman. I'm not I'm not all that interested in a jolly, happy-go-lucky Superman. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want a sad, morbid Superman, but I, a little bit of balance in there. Uh, between, you know. Um, and listen, I am all for Zack Snyder directly. The job Zack Snyder did with the first man of steel is phenomenal. Titan like, to be honest with you, I, I, geez, what he did with that first man of steel is nothing short of phenomenal. And it, it doesn't have to be Zack Snyder. If they do a, a man of steel sequel, which I still don't think is impossible by the way. But it doesn't have to be Zack Snyder. With all the drama between the company and him, it's unlikely it would be Zack Snyder. But if, if they gave me the choice, my first choice would have Zack Snyder directed. Just because of what he did with the first film. He, to me, Zack Snyder totally gets the concept of the Superman. Not in the 1960s, but a modern day Superman. I think he just gets it. And that's why I would, if they did it, I'd love for it to be him. But it wouldn't have to be him. So that's kind of my take. Anyway, next up. Jerome writes, are there any good movies where the main prota protagonist is an asshole or a villain? Like, for example, Gran Torino or Goodfellas. And what is the correct way to portray the character being an asshole villain without making people completely hate them? Thanks. Well, this ties right into what we were talking about, Jerome, about Snake Eyes. See, there's a difference. Look, if you look at Gran Torino, right? And you look at Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino. He's edgy. 
I mean, I he's hard. He's grizzled. And yeah, he's abrasive, but but there's a difference between being abrasive and say like what Snake Eyes character was in Snake Eyes. Like the Snake Eyes character was just a back a constantly backstabbing honorless self-centered selfish dick you know there's a difference between that and a character like Clint Eastwood's in Gran Torino where yeah he's grizzled and he's rough around the edges and he'll he'll be abrasive there's a difference between that though and just being absolutely morally corrupt to to the point where there's just nothing likable about them anymore and I, I think there's a fundamental difference in doing that. And again, there's no formula that says there's a correct way to portray, you know, a jerk hero and a non-correct way. I just think you got to give us something that we hold on to that this shows us that at his core, this guy is our hero. And that becomes very evident in something like Gran Trino. But yeah, I, I just think it's uh, it's really different things. But again, there's no one formula, Jerome. It's a great question. I just don't think there's any one formula to it. But, you know, that's just me. All right, next up. Shockwave writes, Hey, John, I want to give my thoughts on is the MCU quality declining? And in my opinion, I don't see any declining. WandaVision was incredible. I agree. I think WandaVision was amazing. And I really like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I love the last three episodes. And I love Loki except for episode three. Um, was there more? Uh, and I really like Black Widow, and I respect your opinion about being concerned about the quality of the MCU, but if you look at the critic uh, the critic ratings, tomato score, audience score, and uh, view ship, all Disney Plus shows were huge successes. Um, even Black Widow was a huge success. Uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> let's, let's not joke around. Black Widow is not a huge success. Uh, even Black Widow is a huge success, especially with the audience, even though I didn't love, but I really liked, and we still got Shang-Chi and the Eternals and Spider-Man Homecoming. So I don't think there's any dip in quality in the MCU. All right. Thanks a lot for sharing your thoughts on that shockwave. See, but the problem is, listen, in a thumbs up or thumbs down world, if you look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki and Black Widow, I give all of them thumbs up. I'm a part of the positive rating for all of them. I liked Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I liked Loki. I liked Black Widow. I did. They're all in a thumbs up or thumbs down world. I am thumbs up for all of them. But, but, I didn't love any of them. And this is the first time since the MCU started that I have gone three projects in a row with the MCU that I didn't love any of them. The last one I completely loved was WandaVision. WandaVision I adored. Absolutely adored. Fantastic. But we've now gone three in a row where I thought, okay, that was good. It was good. But I, I didn't love it. I went back and rewatched all of WandaVision. I feel no desire to go back and rewatch Falcon the Winter Soldier. I liked it. Thumbs up from me, but not enough that I'd want to go back and rewatch it. I liked Loki. Thumbs up from me, but I never felt at all motivated to go back and watch it again. I like Black Widow. Thumbs up from me. I don't feel any desire to go back and watch it again. So yeah, they're still good. They're still good. But 
that's not what I'm used to from the MCU. I am used to being amazed by the MCU. I'm used to falling in love with these movies. And sure, not all of them. But again, I've never gone three in a row where I haven't loved any of them. And I, I fear, I'm not saying this is happening. I'm just saying I'm worried about it. You know, you worry about your house being broken into. It doesn't mean my house is going to get broken into. I, I just worry about it a little bit, right? I'm not saying that there is a drop in quality in the MCU. I'm saying I'm just worried about a drop in quality in the MCU. Big difference. But yeah, when I go three in a row, I sense a little bit of a mediocrity setting in. And I hope it's not because that Kevin Feige just has too much on his plate. Like I said, back when, when the MCU was putting out like three movies a year, I remember I, I was at the Disney lot and I was waiting for Kevin Feige because we were doing this uh, Age of Ultron press conference day thing. And he gets off this golf cart and I have a chance to chat, chat with him a bit. And that dude was frazzled because he was being pulled in a million different directions. And they had three projects coming out. Three. Now they've got like nine in a year, right? It's not always going to be that way. But, and I just worry that this is going to cause the quality dip. And I'm already kind of feeling the quality dipping a little bit. Now, Shang-Chi can come out and bang, we're right back cooking with fire, right? Like Shang-Chi comes out and it's awesome and amazing. And it's like, all right, we're, everything's good in the world again. But I mean, if Shang-Chi is just okay, I'll take an okay movie. Sure. But then it would be four in a row. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Look, hopefully fingers crossed. Shang-Chi is going to be fantastic. Eternals is going to be fantastic. Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be fantastic. Uh, Hawkeye is going to be fantastic. So yeah, maybe this will all be for nothing. But yeah, man, I, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried. All right. Uh, next up we have uh, that black guy writes, do you think it's elitist? To suggest the only true way to watch and enjoy movies is in the theater. No, but I don't, I also don't agree with that sentiment. Anyway, I notice a lot of my friends have no issues waiting for home release. Uh, you're 49, I'm 23. Do you think the generation gap has anything to do with it? No, nah, I really don't think the generation gap has anything to do with it. Look, I don't think, number one, if you are somebody who thinks the only true way to watch a movie is in the theater, that's not elitist. I mean, yes, it would be elitist to say the only true way to watch a movie is to get on a plane, fly to Dubai, go into the Royal Palace Theater, sit in a seat made of gold, and watch the movie there at the cost of $49,000. That's the only true way to... Well, that's elitist. Go drop 10 bucks at your movie theater to go watch it. That's not elitist. It's not elitist. It's a point of view, but it's not elitist. I think the absolute best way to watch a movie, far superior, is the movie theaters. That is the best way to watch it. And that is, by the way, the way most of these filmmakers make their movies for. You look at the greatest filmmakers in the world. Uh, Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Quentin Tarantino, um, you know, on and on and on. Um, they'll tell you. We make our movies to be experienced on the big screen. That is the best way to watch them. And it is. But it's no more elitist to say that than it is elitist to say the best way to watch a TV for me is in my living room. 
Well, I'm okay. You can do that. That's your choice, but it doesn't make it an elitist point of view. So no, I mean, it just is, uh, uh, you just don't get the same experience. You just don't get the same experience sitting on your ass, the same place you were sitting on your ass yesterday and the day before that, and the day before that, and the day before that watching a TV. That's the same TV we were watching this afternoon, this morning, last night, yesterday afternoon, yesterday morning, the day before that's night, blah, blah, blah. You just don't get that same experience. Again, it's hyperbole. Yes. But the point is great. A great example of this is the portal scene in Endgame. Now that's a, that's a hyperbole example. That's, that's a big exaggerated example, but it's like, is, is the, can you imagine if you watch that scene for the first time at home, it still would have been good. Absolutely. So would have been a good scene, but when you're in that auditorium, man, and you're with 300 strangers and everybody you know, as Black Panther comes walking out of that thing, as Spider-Man comes swinging through the portal, the eruption, being part of that. But it's the same even for small movies. Like when that joke and everybody in the theater's laughing together and you are being enveloped in it with this giant screen. It's just the better way. It's not the only way. It is not the true way, but it is absolutely the best way. There's no argument against it. I, I mean, you can have different opinions for sure. You can have different opinion. But to me, it absolutely is that. And um, yeah, it just, you know, is what it is. Okay, that's uh, that's just me though. All right, uh, thanks, Bla that black guy. Next up, an anonymous viewer tips in $300. Dude, thank you so much for uh, supporting our channel on that level, dude. That is incredibly generous. Thank you so much. Uh, and anonymous writes... Hey, John, this tip is to donate to the charity of your choice. That's very kind of you. I remember you saying you 2 is your favorite band. So all I ask is how about cracking open that guitar case and giving us a few bars of a U2 song? Okay. Um, all right, well, I'll tell you what. For, for 300 bucks to a charity, and the charity we normally give to, there's a Los Angeles charity that's a women and children sh uh, shelter for women and children in crisis. And you guys know we've we've uh, done a lot of work uh, given to that before. Uh, so I think we will donate that 300 bucks to that. Thank you for that. Um, I remember I lost a bet. I think I was still at AMC. It was either AMC or Collider. And I lost a bet uh, with, with somebody. And... The result of me losing that bet was on a video, I had to play a Hootie and the Blowfish song, and I did that. So uh, for 300 bucks, all right, I'll tell you what, I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll give you a few bars of a U2 song. Give me, give me one second here. Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm going to embarrass myself. No, I'm not much of a singer. Look, I've never pretended to be. You guys know I'm not much of a singer. Uh, but hey, for 300 bucks for charity... I will give it a shot. How about that? Uh, so yeah, so here we go. You two tune. All right, here we go.
and that's enough for me. Okay, good enough, good enough. All right, and now with all that silliness put behind us, silliness put behind us, uh, but on, honestly, dude, thank you so much for sending that in. If you're going to do that again, please do add your name because I want to give you props for uh, for putting money like that towards some charity. So thank you so much for that. It's really appreciated, man. All right, next up, if I can uh, ever live this down. Uh, next up, we go Shockwave writes. Oh, we already got to Shockwave's question. Uh, Murray Reich writes. I saw Old, and I thought it was fine. Uh, it wasn't the best M. Night movie, but it's not like this. his top-tier ones. Ending was okay. I also saw Stillwater. You know what? I'm really interested in Matt Damon's Stillwater. I'm actually, I'm actually very, very interested in that movie. It was good, but very long. Ending was very anticlimactic, but overall, Matt Damon's performance was great. Yeah, like, I haven't known what to think about it, but I just, the premise of the story, like, whenever there's a story about a father and daughter and, like, a father trying to save one of their kids, I don't care if it's Taken or Stillwater. I'm going to be interested in it. So thanks for giving me that update on that, Murray. But I, I am actually quite curious to see it. I haven't had a chance to watch that one yet, but I do want to see it, if for no other reason than it's Matt Damon. So thanks for giving me your thoughts on that, man. All right, next up. Where are we at? We are at, uh, we already did Shockwave, Shockwave, Willow writes. So, who do you think screwed up worse? Warner Brothers with their backstabbing of filmmakers like Denis Villeneuve or Disney and how they are handling the situation with Scarlett Johansson. Well, listen, the Disney situation with Scarlett Johansson, that's a one, that's a one screw over deal. The Warner Brothers one backstabbed everybody. They backstabbed their directors they backstabbed their actors. They backstabbed, maybe most importantly, their financial partners like Legendary, the company that put up the money to make a couple of those movies, including Dune. I mean, that was a complete clusterfuck. I mean, an absolute backstabbing of the highest order. And they've had to do a lot of work in the time since running around behind the scenes trying to put out fires. And But, I mean, from everything I've heard, they have been doing the work. But, man, they handled that badly. Oh, my God, they handled that badly. So... We'll see. We'll see what transpires from, but I got to say overall, the worst one has been Warner Brothers simply because of the scale of it. We'll see how bad it gets with Disney though. All right. Next up, we've got Boris who writes one of three. Hey, John, my brother just walked up to me and said, you're right. The action in Man of Steel is so much cooler than I remember. And the CGI looks so good. I hope I hopped on YouTube to relive its beauty and can still say, I feel like Man of Steel has probably the best CGI we've ever seen out of all the DCEU films. And it's still the first one. Uh, and again, the action is just so effing cool. It's how I imagine a high-budget live-action Dragon Ball Z fight might look. Uh, on to my actual question. I came across the Army of Thieves trailer. I know Zack's not directing, but I'm pretty excited to watch it. I wanted to hear your thoughts, and if you've seen it, sorry if you've spoken about it already. Have a great day. I, I haven't spoken about it already, and to be honest, I haven't watched it. Com to be completely frank, I'm not interested in the movie. Now... I enjoyed Army of the Dead. I, I had fun with it. I did. If you guys, I put up a straight out of the theater reaction to it. And if you guys have seen that, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It's got its problems. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it has a lot of big logic holes and a lot of flaws. But overall, I thought it was an entertaining, you know, little package of a movie. I, you know, for, you know, because I'm kind of sick of the zombie genre. I'm not going to lie. I'm. I'm pretty much over and sick of the zombie genre. That said, Army of the Dead managed to entertain me. And that's not easy for a zombie genre thing now to do these days. 
So, but the reality was, it's not like I loved the movie or I thought it was any kind of masterpiece. And them doing another one involving, quite frankly, one of the more forgettable characters of the main movie, and it's a prequel sort of thing. So now it's kind of zombie-connected with a prequel sense, which I'm never usually, usually big on. So I'll be honest with you, Boris, I don't have a lot of interest in it. That doesn't mean I may not love it if I see it. Like, once I see it, maybe I'll love the movie whenever it comes out. I'm not quite sure when it is coming out. But my my desire to see it, pretty low. So I haven't watched the trailer yet. It hasn't interested me. But one of these days, I'll have to get around to finally watching the spot, though. Thanks for writing that in, Boris. All right, next up, we've got uh, Auntie Nancy who writes, Good morning, cast and crew. Mr. Campia, sir, you called it. I log into YouTube this morning, and who do I see? A brand spanking new two-minute Venom trailer. This, of course, was yesterday. Way too coincidental. Not too suspect that Chapek was involved. LOL. Have a great day. Yeah, so I said that with all this negative stuff flying around about ScarJo and how they screwed over Scarlett Johansson, I said I wouldn't be surprised at all if Bob Chapek gets on the phone with Sony and says, Dear God, please just drop the Spider-Man trailer so we can distract everybody from this story. Now, they didn't do that, but they did put out the Venom trailer. Look, all tinfoil hat wearing aside, I don't really think Bob Chapek had anything to do with that. Although you never know. Maybe Sony said, look, we're not going to put out a Spider-Man trailer just yet. We're not ready to put it out. It's not time to put it out yet. But how about this, Bob? How about this, Bobby, our partner? We, we've, we're we sitting on a Venom trailer that we were going to put out in a few weeks, but how about we drop a Venom trailer for you? How about that? I love it. Anything to distract people, please. Drop the Venom trailer. So they drop the Venom trailer. Now, again, I'm not saying I actually believe that's what happened. Not at all. But it does make you wonder a little bit. Hmm? Makes you wonder a little bit. Probably not, but it makes you wonder a little bit. All right, next up. Not Sam Wilson writes. One of two. Hey, John, last week when talking about the ScarJo versus Disney debacle, you joked that there were phone calls taking place from Discovery to Kevin Feige and from Chapek to Sony. Yep. Uh, real talk. This week, I hope there are some phone calls from Disney's board members to their lawyers asking about buying out Chapek's contract. I feel like there have been more negative headlines in his first year than in the whole 15-year uh, Bob Iger term. I, I think you're right. I agree. There probably has been. Disney can't afford to let this guy stay another two years. Hashtag Chapek must go. Uh, again, Sam, listen, you're not going to hear me disagree that I think Bob Chapek so far has been a failed CEO. You're not going to hear me disagree with you on that. But I still completely believe that you have to give him a legitimate chance. Listen, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, any of you out there who are Dallas Cowboy fans, but if I'm not mistaken, and I might be, but wasn't uh, Troy Aikman, wasn't his, the Hall of Famer quarterback, wasn't his first season completely winless? Like, if I'm not mistaken, was Troy Aikman's first season as quarterback, did the Dallas Cowboys not go over? Like, I think they went completely 0 for. Hold on a second. Let me, let me double check. Yeah, yeah. Troy Aikman's first season, they were 0 for 11. They went 0 and 11. But they knew, okay, listen, this was the kid's first year. We're going to stick with them. I think it was, uh, who was the coach? Was it Johnson? 
I said, we're going to stick with him. And what happened? The dude won three Super Bowls. Three, not one, not two, three Super Bowls. I remember because a couple of them were against the Buffalo Bills when I was back when I was a big Buffalo Bills fan as a kid. And I, I think a couple of those Super Bowls came against the Bills. Anyway, Troy Aikman. So you'd like start 0 11. And there could have been a lot of people, and I'm sure there were at the time. Get rid of this kid. No good. We don't win with him at quarterback. But they knew we got to stick with this guy. This guy's got talent. Yeah, we went winless. 0 for 11. All right. They wound up winning three Super Bowls. Or whatever their, their 0 for was in that first season. They won up three Super Bowls. Look, am I saying that Bob Chapek is going to end up being the true successor to Bob Iger? That Bob Chapek is going to become a legendary Disney CEO? Oh, I don't think so. But you got to give him the chance. I think you got to give him the chance. Because you never know. He might surprise us. This is, and, and again, we've got, we cannot overlook the fact that this has been a very unusual year that he got to step in and become the CEO of Disney over, right? It's, it's not ideal circumstances to have your first year as the CEO of one of the biggest companies in the world. So again, I hate the job he's done. Um, I would, if I could push a button and have Bob Iger come back and take back over as CEO for another couple of years, I would do it. But other than that, because I don't think Iger wants to come out of retirement, other than Bob Iger coming back, I say we got to give Bob Chapek another two years. And maybe it gets even worse, but maybe he turns it around. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I think he's done a terrible job so far, but I still think it's been too early to make a final judgment on it. That's just me. That's just me. All right, next up. Uh, we've got, where are we at here? We're at Ismail Montoya who writes, Hey, John. I've been doing a medical mission trip to Congo. Very cool. Africa for the last two weeks. Any major news I missed out of? By the way, I definitely missed the John Campy show. Well, it's good to have you back, man. And uh, yeah, just look through the head. I mean, obviously the biggest thing you've been missing out on is the whole Scarlett Johansson thing. Uh, Suicide Squad is awesome. Uh, free guy is awesome. Go check those out. Otherwise, just do some scroll throughing on the uh, on the YouTube page, here, and you should be able to find anything you've been missing out on. Thanks for writing that in, Ismail. All right, last one we're going to do here today. This one comes to us from uh, Artur, who writes one of three. Hey, John. First off, I love the show. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. I have a serious question, and I'd like to get your opinion on it. Experiencing a film in theaters for the first time is a magical event. Sometimes the smallest surprise can leave a big impact on you in terms of putting a smile on your face. You said that Taika Waititi is in Suicide Squad. It's no spoiler and nothing to be mad about. Isn't it a disservice to rob somebody of that small surprise that they were going to get watching the film. After all, uh, mentioning it after all mentioning it has nothing to do with reviewing the film. It's not a big deal, but just thought it's interesting. Definitely not a spoiler, but I hope you know what I mean. Would love to hear your opinion. Thanks and love the show. Well, thanks a lot for writing that in our tour. So for those of you who missed it, when I was talking about um, Suicide Squad, I remember mentioning I had totally forgot that Taika Waititi was, was in the movie. And before mentioning it, though, I thought, let me just double check something. And sure enough, when I went to IMDb, he's Taika Waititi's listed publicly on, on the IMDb page. He's in the movie. 
So this is what's what I call and I refer to as public knowledge. Once a studio publicly makes the information available, like listing him on IMDb, at that point, it's, it's public knowledge. I don't believe, listen, one of the biggest issues we as film fans need to deal with is the fact that none of us have an acceptable definition of what a spoiler is. Everybody has a different definition of a spoiler. Because some people think, so in the movie, there's a car chase. Ah, just spoiled it for me. Now I know there's a car chase. What are you going to do? Some people think that's a spoiler. Some people like me only think it's a spoiler if it's a relevatory piece of information that fundamentally changes the way we see the movie. For example, Sixth Sense. Bruce Willis is dead all along. Well, that fundamentally changes the way we watch the movie. To me, that's a big spoiler. Or if the movie is a big mystery and you reveal the ending, that literally gives the ending and the wrapping up and the conclusion of the movie, the summation of the story, you just gave it away. That is a spoiler. To me, finding out in Heat that Robert De Niro and Al Pacino both eat in a diner together in a scene. That's not a spoiler. It's given away a piece of information, but by that definition, every single thing in a trailer is a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. And one of the things to me is, if something is made public knowledge by the studio, then that's public knowledge. It's, it's, it's free game to talk about. Taika Waititi being in Suicide Squad, while well, I myself forgot about it, it is listed publicly. It's publicly available information and therefore is open and free game to discuss, at least to me. To me, that's what that means. And yes, I had forgotten Taika Waititi was in it because I remember I had heard like a while ago that Taika Waititi was going to be in the movie. James Gunn and Taika Waititi are, are like that. So I get what you're saying. I do. But then at the same point, if we're worried about any little detail, well, then what can we talk about? What What is fair game for us to talk about? If not mentioning that an actor who is publicly listed on the movie's page as being in the movie, if that's not a, a piece of information that we can easily and safely openly talk about, then what is? So there's this one scene where Peacemaker, I love uh, okay. Um, so anyway, Starro, you Starro's in it. Yeah. He's in the trailer, but I don't watch the trailers. Well, if it's in the trailer, it's publicly available information and that's gotta be considered free game. Yeah. So to me, I totally understand where you're coming from Artur. I totally do. But again, for me, if something is publicly available information that the studio has put out, then it's got to be open free game for us to discuss safely. And so that's why I, I double check to make sure that yes, yes, yes. Cause if you remember that episode, I stopped, went and double checked to make sure that I was right. And that he is indeed listed on the IMDB page that the studio did put that information out. And then I said, okay, well, since he is listed as publicly available information, we'll talk about it. You know, I forgot Taika Waititi is in it, loved his little part in it, blah, blah, blah. So, I think that's fair game. I personally think that's fair game. Now, is there somebody out there that now knowing Taika Waititi is in it might for them and to them ruin a part of the movie? 
it's it's possible but like i said i and you think i'm kidding i'm not i have literally had people write to me complaining about me talking about something in a movie that was literally in a trailer and then they say to me yeah but not all of us watch the trailers john some of us like to go in clean and we don't watch the trailers and i'm like so what what you I can't talk about the trailers now because you want to go in clean. I mean, so it, it, again, this whole topic of spoilers is such a rough one for us as fans and mainly because none of us have the same definition about what constitutes a spoiler and what does not. So it's a tricky one. I think it's going to be a tricky one for us for a long time to come. Anyway, guys, listen, there are many more questions to come, but that's all the time we have for today's installment of the companion video. Thank you so much. And thank you anonymous viewer for, for donating to charity. That was really, really good of you. Even if you had to embarrass me while you're doing it perfectly fine. Anyway, guys, Thanks a lot for being here. Don't forget, me and Robert Meyer Burnett will be on the John Campus Show tomorrow. Uh, uh, by the way, the John Campus Show tomorrow starts a little bit late. I have to go back for a follow-up dental appointment, so it's going to push the start time of the John Campus Show. Instead of 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, I believe it's going to be 11. It might have to get pushed to like 11.30, but I I'm pretty sure we're going to be able to start the show at 11, so it's going to start a little bit later than normal tomorrow. All right, guys, that will do it for me. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until the next time, my friends... Bye-bye.